This is Pitch Black, the podcast, part of PitchBlackNews.com. My name is Kyle Mankey. Um, this is going to be a little bit of a shorter episode than normal. Um, we're we're going to do a quick recap, quick thoughts on uh, the Vancouver game that just happened on, on Wednesday. Um, and then hit the Twitter topics a little bit. And then probably call it a night pretty quickly. Um, we may have some audio at the end. Um, from the post-game comments from a few of the players and from Coach Powell. Uh, it just kind of depends on, on the quality of that, if, if I can get that good enough to throw at the end of the podcast. But um, regardless, I- I'm always weirded out anytime San Antonio has a Wednesday game and then we're recording the podcast on Thursday night. It always feels like I missed a big chunk of my week or something, or, or like my schedule is totally thrown off. So I can only imagine what that's like for a player or a coach when, you know, I just have this little 30 minute, hour long commitment once a week and, you know, they have to shift their entire lives. So um, midweek games, uh, always fun. But um, luckily, San Antonio came out with a victory at home against Vancouver. I'll say that is the important part, is they got three points at home, they got the job done, they got the victory, that's all that matters as far as standings go, as far as, you know, making the playoffs officially goes and everything else. However, I I am a little disappointed and a little frustrated that it was only 1-0. Obviously, the clean sheet is good, Vancouver knocked on the door there for most of the second half, Uh, so it was good that San Antonio was able to hold that clean sheet. But Vancouver is the second-to-worst team in the league. So to, quote-unquote, only come away with one goal is kind of frustrating. And you hate to complain about a win. Winning is all that matters. Uh, but it the goal that was there was, was gorgeous. And it was a, a team set up and everything you could want out of a goal. But there were several opportunities where players just couldn't quite finish, uh, specifically Billy Forbes, who played most of the game as the center forward, which was something we haven't seen him do with this team yet this year. So that was pretty cool, and it was a new role for him in this team. So I'm not going to ride him too hard for that, but he's you know, supposed to be the franchise player this year. He was the big signing for this team this year. And he's an attacking player. And so he you have to hope that he's able to find his finishing touch again and play to the quality that we're used to seeing him play at. It wasn't there for Vancouver, and it hasn't been there consistently over the season. He had an MVP start to the season, but unfortunately, it just hasn't been there as much since. Um so I know he's got the ability. Everyone knows he's got the ability. You just have to hope that he figures out whatever's going on. Um, on, on the more positive side of things, uh, fantastic goal from Chris Tierbeck. Another beautiful header uh, in that same goal. That That's like his favorite place in Toyota Field, I'm pretty sure. Um, it, it was particularly interesting because The ball came off of a Greg Cochran cross, which was placed very, very well for Chris. Um, But right before that, the ball was actually lost by San Antonio in the corner, and Vancouver looked like they were going to be able to clear it out 
relatively easily. Maxi Rodriguez charges in there and wins the ball back for the home team, gets the ball to Greg, who gets the ball to Chris, and that was the game winner. So uh, as much praise as you want to throw on to Tierpack and Cochran, they absolutely deserve it on that goal. Um, but Maxi Rodriguez played his ass off in that first half, and, and I thought he looked like a true starting central midfielder for that first half. He looked fantastic. Um, the second half, the entire team kind of took a step backwards, it felt like. It, it felt like there were some heavy legs or the, the communication wasn't quite there or something. But um, it, it just wasn't quite working the way that it was before. So it's hard to find too many good moments in that second half, um, unfortunately. But one good thing I thought was um, Connor Presley, one of the newest signings for San Antonio, came on and he looked really good. He looked like a competent midfielder, which, you know, sounds demeaning, but being a 19-year-old signed so late in the season, it kind of had very little expectations for him. Kind of figured that was a, a depth signing akin to Diego Garcia last year or, or some of the other guys who have come in just as, you know, emergency re replacements, basically. But that wasn't what we got from Presley. He came in in the, uh, let's see, the 70, 70th minute, um, for Chris Tierpak, and he played really well. Um, he ended up with a 66% passing accuracy in the opponent's half. Um, seven short passes was what he had, 71% passing accuracy overall. Um, not phenomenal, but not bad, especially with such a small sample size. But the moment that really would have just capped off his night, would have capped off the night in general, was right at the end. He got a ball played to him right in front of goal. It was so quick that I'm not sure he was expecting it or, or had the time to react. But he got a touch on it, and it was, you know, from the replay I saw, it looked like it was about six inches away from going into the goal, or at least hitting the post. It was so close, and you could tell he was um, really disappointed that that didn't go in right after. Uh, obviously, all's well that ends well. Um, they still got the win, but, um, you know, Presley really impressed me, and I think he has the potential to get significant time on this team, maybe not as a starter, just because of... Chris Tierpak and Omar Gordon and some of the other wingers that are on this team. But, you know, if, if he shows that he can step up in those moments and step up in that role, we've got a lot of guys who could use the rest for playoffs or, you know, have him step in and playoffs. So all in all, really impressed with Connor Presley. Another new signing I was impressed with, Omar Gordon. Um, he was just toying with some of those Vancouver Vancouver defenders. Um, his dribbling skill, like, can we just give him the skills of the week for the rest of the season from USL? <laughs> like, some of the things he was doing with the ball was absolutely ridiculous. Um, the only, only unfortunate thing was his finishing touch wasn't quite there against Vancouver. Um, I say this jokingly. I say this with all the praise because I think he had a damn good game. But I'm pretty sure his shot was the first one that I've ever seen go into 118. 
um, from the field of play. So it, it wasn't there for him that night, unfortunately. But overall on the night, extremely impressed. And technically he's here on a loan. I, I'm hoping that that can be parlayed into a longer term deal for next season because he looked phenomenal. <laughs> like he was extremely impressive. Um, and especially in this system that coach Powell deployed against Vancouver, it enables tier pack and Forbes. And, you know, if you want to plug Elizondo or Arhujo or Mike Seth, any of those guys, uh, ever Guzman up into the top, it gives a lot more flexibility to have the three up top because what we saw last night was, um, a little, little bit different from what we've seen in the past. So maybe that was trying out a new system against a team that you quote unquote should beat. Um, it's the perfect time to do that. Um, and on the offensive side of the ball, I thought it really showed a lot of potential. Um, one of the more interesting parts was having Ryan Rashindel as a midfielder as basically a number six. Um, but then when the attack started, it, the the shape looked more like a 3-4-3 with Rashindel dropping back to be a center back. And it worked really well at times, and it affords the opportunity for Greg Cochran and Ben Noonan, two of the best fullbacks in the league, to play more forward. Um, and it it just opens up so many more opportunities. And even if it didn't, at least it's something else. At least it, it's trying something to generate goals at, at this point in the year. Um, so so I loved it. I thought Rainer Schindler did a knockout job. He had a lot of fun comments after the game about you know being ready to play in any position at any time his number is called. Um, this year he has been a midfielder, a defender, and listed as a goalkeeper. He didn't actually get into the game, but the game in Sacramento where Lee Johnston uh, was the only full-time goalkeeper on the roster uh, that wasn't injured or that wasn't unavailable. Um, Rashindel was the backup goalkeeper technically on the team sheet. So, and he was a, a broadcaster at one point this year as well. He's called some games from the booth. So uh, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty positive. He's the first SAFC player to be a midfielder, a defender, a goalkeeper, and a broadcaster all in the same season. <laughs> so very versatile guy and, you know, very involved in the Academy from everything we can tell, which is all really cool. So um, happy that he had a solid game. Happy that, you know, all in all, it was a solid performance, especially in the first half. Um, just that finishing touch still isn't quite there. And I don't know how you fix that. Um, obviously, that's the hardest thing to do in any sport is to score, right? So um, as soon as that gets a little more on track, I don't know how you beat this team. Um, defensively, they are solid as can be. If they get that finishing touchback, they're going to be unstoppable, Salt Lake City or not. Um, on the clean sheet, Diego Restrepo got his 10th clean sheet of the season. Um, can't be uh, too upset about that. Gotta love it. He's one of the best goalkeepers, statistically the best goalkeeper in USL. Um, and I, I say statistically like it's a qualifier. I don't mean it like that. I think he's the best goalkeeper in USL. Um but, you know, it, it's nice that it is backed up in the numbers as well, which is really cool. 
Um, last little thought about the Vancouver game was the attendance um, was surprisingly good. They broke 6,000 uh, tickets sold. So 6,037 was the official attendance. Um, it didn't look particularly full in Toyota Field. It happens. It was a cloudy weeknight. Um, but even to be able to sell 6,000 tickets on a Wednesday night, that's pretty solid. And that's something to be proud of. That's something that a lot of USL teams would love to have on a Saturday night. So um, good on you, San Antonio fans, for, for showing up. That, that's great. So um, looking ahead, obviously the big question mark here Thursday night is what the heck this hurricane is going to do to the state, to San Antonio, to everything. Um, Hurricane Harvey, as I'm recording this, um, keeps picking up speed and looks to hit um, San Antonio. Uh, question on Periscope, 6,000 through the turnstiles. So the only North American team that I know of that presents turnstile numbers is um, Vancouver Whitecaps and the Vancouver CFL team. Because of a deal with BC Place, they have to present the actual butts and seats numbers. Um, a couple clubs have come out and done that just uh, sporadically, like I think San Francisco Deltas did that. Um, but when we're talking about attendance numbers, no one is reporting the butts and seats. That's why RGV looks so great constantly. That's why um, you, you know a lot of these places look really great constantly. So um, 6,000 sold. Uh, the official attendance is 6,037. Um, so that's, that's the best that we can do, unfortunately, on our end uh, until something changes nationally that's not even a soccer problem if you look at some of these nfl games uh, even there there's a lot of empty seats in some of these stadiums um but getting back to saturday the game currently as a thursday night is still scheduled to go on as scheduled as planned everything um you know nothing has been changed as of thursday night uh at 10 o'clock when i'm recording this so assuming that it doesn't get rained out. We'll see you Saturday, 7.30 p.m. kickoff, um, 5 o'clock, 5.30 Periscope. We'll tweet that out when we have a, a more set time. Um, should do a, a live Periscope from Toyota Field if the game is going on, if the weather isn't too bad. Um, however, if you you know aren't living under a rock, which if you are, you should probably get on top of the rock because there's, there's a big storm coming and it has the potential to not necessarily wash San Antonio out um, from hurricane winds or anything, but the flash flooding is an issue anytime it rains here. So if the storm hits Friday night and is done by Saturday morning, I would guess that the game would go on as planned. The field does drain out very well, um, but it doesn't look like that's what's going to happen. It looks like the storm's coming in, later and it's going to come and park and, um, you know, really dump on, on the city. So we'll have to see, um, don't cancel your tickets yet or anything, obviously, but from a more tangible point of view, what this does for San Antonio is, um, makes what should be an easy game, very difficult because if it's played, it's most likely going to be on a very wet, pitch, a playable pitch, 
um, but a very wet one. And anytime you add water to running, that's a recipe for injury. And that's the last thing that this team needs is to have any ankle injuries or knee injuries or anything like that happen this late in the season. So that's one factor. Another factor is when you're slowing the uh, field down, that's going to benefit Portland in the sense that Portland on paper is not as good a team as San Antonio. It's mostly used as a development team this year. So when you're slowing everything down, you're playing down to your opponent at that point, um, no matter what you do. So it hurts San Antonio in two factors there. The third one is that the Oklahoma City game, the Vancouver game, it's all been prepared, assuming that there were going to be three games in this seven-day period. And if you're resting players, that's fine. The problem is that if Portland gets postponed, that's going to drop somewhere less convenient. And you're back into this rotation again of having to manage player minutes and make sure you're not overusing guys. And not only are you having to adjust later on, possibly on that really difficult stretch of road games in September. Um, but you're you're also doing that later in the season when you're wanting to rest. Uh, had a question on Periscope about play at Sunday. I'm not sure if that's possible or not. Um, I, I don't know what the options are or, you know, if the game could be moved to um, – water's down the beer too. That's right, David. Um I don't know if the game could be moved to like the Alamo Dome if it was available or um, a turf field like Heroes Stadium or Commander for one game um, just to get out and play the damn thing and get it over with. Um, I would think it would more likely be postponed to another Saturday because even if you play it on Sunday, um, you're still pushing your week you're still changing your week uh, pretty drastically. And that means you would have a Sunday game, a Saturday game, and then a Wednesday game next week. Um, because next week on... Oh, sorry. Uh, that's two weeks from now. Yeah, forget that. Sorry. Uh, Salt Lake is next week. But after that, they've got a, another busy week in uh, Southern California facing Los Dos and Orange County. So... Um, it's trouble no matter how you cut it. And obviously there's nothing you can do about a hurricane, but, um, really just unfortunate timing. And, and, you know, again, this is all being recorded Thursday night. So maybe it all dissolves Friday morning and nothing ever happens. Um, but you know, it's unfortunate either way. And obviously a soccer game is not the most important thing in the world. I hope everyone's safe. I hope, you know, this, all this preparedness is for, basically nothing. Um, but yeah, rocket like a hurricane. Um, we'll, we'll have to see. So other than that, not a whole lot to say about Portland. Um, we were going to have a couple guests on this week. Unfortunately, part of the reason that this show is going to be a little shorter than normal is because, uh, both of our guests that we had on ended up not being able to do it. So, um, there's not much to say about TT this year, honestly. Um, it's being used as a development team. They're not going to fly their many of their MLS guys out, if any, um, to a away game in the middle of the season. So uh, 
San Antonio should win this. And if they don't, I don't know what to say. It's one of those things where coming into this week, Vancouver and Portland should be six points in your pocket easily. Anything can happen in soccer. Anything can happen in sports. But you would think this has to be a win. And that's part of the reason why you really want it to happen on Saturday and to you know get these 90 minutes out of the way, get these three points on the table, and focus in on Salt Lake and some of the other guys um, going on. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Ah, all right. Quick hydration break there. So let's get to some of your Twitter topics, and then we'll call it a night early, like we said. Um, so Royce says, hope we figure out our offensive lineup. Defense is set. Wonder if Guzman or Seth can gel in the three in our 4 2 three, one. Um, That's a really good question. I, I agree with you. Like I said earlier, I think the defense is perfect. Um, I think it's deep. I think it, it's performing well across the board. Uh, you know, one of the best in the league, if not the best in the league. Um, I'm I'm interested in um, the four two three one part of your comment because I wonder how much we're going to see that this year going forward, especially now that we've signed more attacking depth. Um, I wonder if we see more formations like we saw. Um, against Vancouver, against OKC, where we're essentially playing three in the back. Um, I love that, and I think it fits really well in the system where you have four really solid center backs um, and then two really solid fullbacks that can effectively play as wingbacks. So it, it will be interesting to see where Guzman and Seth gel. We haven't seen Guzman yet. He is available for selection. He has been available for selection. Um, we just haven't seen him yet. I saw Mike Seth for a few minutes, um, but the thing with both of those guys is that they're basically in their preseason right now. Um, Guzman has not played this summer uh, with a team, and Seth was practicing with Arizona, with Phoenix rather, um, but never saw, only saw a limited number of minutes this season on uh, the field. So Basically, these guys are learning a new system and conditioning at the same time. So that's going to take time. I don't know if we'll see them with this next game or not, um, but we could. It's a perfect time, again, against Portland, as long as the pitch is in solid condition. Um, but uh, as far as if they can gel, I think Gordon and Presley showed that they can fit in this system already, and, and they're ready to go. But um, it'll be interesting to see where these guys are deployed. If we see more of a three forward system as opposed to a lone striker role, um, it'll be interesting to see where Cesar Elizondo and AJ Ajiqua fit into this. Um, we saw Victor Arujo play the 10 effectively, um, which could be really interesting too. So there's still a lot going on. There's a lot of talent there. I think at this point, it's about figuring out how to effectively make those pairings. Um, and even beyond that, it's just about getting that finishing touch back. It's just not not there right now. And that's the hardest thing because the chemistry is there with most of these guys. It's just a matter of putting the ball in the back of the net and, and finishing the run. Um, Aaron, on that topic, Aaron Reed says... Uh, what does Billy need to do to get rid of the shanks, keys, and other pocket? Turn his hat around backwards. I don't know, man. I 
I don't know what he needs to do. Um, what is it in... in Never mind. I'm not even going to... I was trying to think of a movie. There's like an egg. Is it Cool Runnings that has the egg where all the guys kiss the egg for luck before they run? I don't know if we need to start rolling that out or, or you know, just whatever they need to do um, to get some, some juju on their side, some luck on their side. Um, because it's not just Billy. Obviously, Billy featured in this Vancouver game because he was basically the nine, but... Um, you know, it's Cesar too. It's, it's Vic hasn't scored and AJ hasn't scored in a while. So it's not just Billy and it's not necessarily by any fault of their own or fault of the system. It's just one of those streaks right now where, you know, you're seeing a lot of rough, rough luck, (laughs) you know, I don't know what to do, but you know, maybe, maybe we'll put that question out there for, uh, uh, how to get rid of the shanks there. Um, also, Rochelle at the six against Vancouver was great. Definitely a spot start, but still great. Presley looked shell-shocked. Vega and Gordo were f- <laughs> emoji fire. Um, so yeah, that, that's Royce's opinion. I agree that Rochelle um, was great. I don't know that it's a spot start. I don't know that you roll him out every single game because... Um, speed is a factor and you have a lot of guys that can play that position in the midfield, but if you want to keep using him as a center back, maybe rolling him or putting McCarthy or Cyprian Hedrick in that spot and the other one on the back and rotate those four in that same style, that could be really cool. There's, there's a lot of options there for sure. Um, I do outright disagree about Presley. I thought he looked really good and just kind of back to that bad luck on that touch. It was very close. And I think if he scored, we'd all be singing his praises on the night. Um, Vega and Gordon, they were, they were solid. I thought Gordon looked phenomenal in his one-on-ones and just insulting Vancouver players with some of the, some of the moves that he made. It was beautiful. Um, Vega's big issue right now is passing. He has to complete more passes. Um, He has to, drop back on defense a little more effectively. He's one of the smaller players on the team. Um, so he needs to be more effective in his positioning and his passing um, in order to maintain that spot in the central midfield. Um, David asks, do we fit players to a formation or adjust formation to suit players? That's a really good question that I keep meaning to ask uh, Darren Powell. Um, going to try to remember to ask him next time I see him, um, because that is definitely a factor. Um, what we saw last year when the team was building was, you know, you had players who could play, or even this year too, it fits the same, where um, you have players that can play on the outside, you have players who are more centrally minded, attacking minded, defensive minded, and, and it feels like kind of piecing it in after that. Um, obviously with guys like, um, Ben Noonan, you expected him to play in the fullback role. Greg Cochran, we've seen play in the midfield, but as soon as Billy Forbes got signed, as soon as Chris Tierpak got signed, who, um, you know, could be just as effective on the left side. Tierpak has played on the left side a lot this year. Um, it, it allows Cochran to play that more natural role of fullback. So I think, you know, obviously I'll ask him cause that's a really good question, but, um, I think what 
happens is, you know, the coaching staff has a play style in mind, which is obviously defensive minded. We've seen that two years in a row. And so I think you're building from that, if I had to guess, just looking at, um, you know, looking at some of the signings this year. Uh, there's a lot of experience in the defensive side of the field and uh, along the wings. So the the central midfield is kind of where things are getting pieced together, it feels like. And, and for the most part, it's worked this year. Um, but that does seem to be the area of the field where we see a lot of rotations and, and kind of like it's still, you know, trying to find the, the best solution there. Um have a couple other comments here. I need to pull them out. And then we do have the results of our poll from last week. Uh, appreciate you folks on Periscope reminding me of that. Um, so Ryan asks, do you think they're going to play with a slip and slide during halftime? I'm telling you, if if there's enough water, if it's a pool, just put them in the little bubble soccer balls and, and let them float around. It'll be great. It'll be super entertaining. <laughs> um, Bob, along that same lines, asks, can we bring our kayaks in or do we have to check them at the door? I think kayaks are good. I'm pretty sure you have to um, leave your signal flares at the door, though, the uh the emergency flares that come on, on the boats and the kayaks, you got to leave those at the door. Um, Ryan asks, uh, how do I think the pitch is going to hold up? It drains really well, but if we get even close to as much rain as they're forecasting, it's going to be unplayable. It's going to be slop. So um, I don't know if it's possible to play a game at Kamalander um, or, or at one of the other turf fields but i know they do have a working relationship with the school district to where they've used those fields for practice before um we've we've been out there for training before so i'm not saying that the game's going to be there i don't know that that's a possibility i'll find out um i'll try to find out (laughs) and let you guys know on social media but um i would think that that would be the best solution it would probably mean you know no beer. It would probably mean a lot of adjustments um, playing it in one of the high school football stadiums, but I would love to see this game played on Saturday if possible. Um, so we'll, we'll just have to have to see. You know, It could be storming so much that there's no worry about the, the field at all, um, or you know, it, it could be a bright and sunny day. We just don't know. So um, and play at that indoor facility on 1604. Is there a full-size facility on 1604? I'm not sure. Possibly. Um, yeah, there, I'm sure there's options. You know, we'll just kind of have to see. Um, Whitefire asks, are weather rules FIFA or league-specific? Saw lightning from the stadium and was worried they'd call or suspend the match. Um, so... Oh, upper deck is what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't think they have an indoor full-size field. I think it's all the smaller ones. But yes, we're we're familiar with upper deck. We recorded our live podcast there last month and hoping to do another live one soon. Uh, hopefully, maybe next week. We'll, we'll kind of see what the schedule looks like. But um, back to Whitefire's comment about the lightning. Um, I don't know. I think it's league-specific, um, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure there are guidelines... Uh, from the league on that. But the way that works is that there is someone in the stadium measuring how far away the lightning 
is at any given point. And so once it's within a certain radius of the stadium, that's when the game has to be um, delayed. We've seen that before where um, they've they've had to delay a game, kind of do an extended halftime uh, and wait for the lightning to clear before it can proceed. Um, I, I don't know if it was pretty late in the game that that started about 75th minute ish. Um, so I don't know what they would have done there if they would have made them play out the last few minutes, especially being a one nil game, they probably would have. So probably would have been a late night, but, um, yeah, that, that's the way that works is there's someone in the stadium measuring how far the lightning is. I don't know the mileage off the top of my head. Um, but you know, there, there are guidelines for that and there are safety precautions for that. I have a little bit of a lightning phobia, so um, I'm very aware of when there's lightning around, and I try to keep an eye on that as much as possible. Um, but yeah, always always an issue with an outdoor stadium, right? So unless anybody on Periscope has anything else to add that they want to talk about, I'm going to go ahead and talk about our poll from last week. Um for anyone who didn't listen to last week or may have missed this, um, there are awards for USL that they give out sporadically on on their website just kind of to keep things lighthearted, I think, sometimes. And one of them was about the uh, beard, who had the best beard in USL. And so, of course, Matt Cardoni was in there. And, of course, Matt Cardoni won it. So congrats to him. Um, but that inspired our podcast poll for last week. Which SAFC player would you like? Would you most like to see sporting a mustache? Um, I'm going to get to that question in just a second. It just came out of Periscope. But... Um, which SAFC player would you like to see sporting a mustache? We asked for nominations. The four most popular were Stephen McCarthy, Maxi Rodriguez, Michael Reed, and Chris Tierpak. And the winner, 37% of you voted for Michael Reed. Michael Reed is the one you want to see sport a mustache. So you'll have to let him know on social media that... Uh, you know, he's the guy that we chose. <laughs> and, uh, right behind him, 33% was Chris Tierback, 16% McCarthy, 14% Rodriguez. So, you know, just just a fun little poll there. Nothing too meaningful behind it. Um, David asked which podcast host should grow one. You don't want to see me grow a mustache. There are pictures out there of me with a mustache from um, Movember when that was going on. Um, I might do it again this year. We'll see. Um, but yeah, it, it's not pretty, uh, for those of you watching on Periscope right now, I haven't shaved in two or three days. Um, and you can kind of see it's not pretty. It, it's not something that anyone wants to see. Um, someone on Periscope, Audio says tear pack needs a beard. Uh, his dad has an awesome one. So there we go. Maybe we'll see more facial hair when the playoff runs start. <laughs> um, so one of the questions was, do we play five defenders um, in the back if there's a rain game? Possibly. I mean, the frustrating thing, though, is you still need to go out and win against Portland. So you can go out there and try and park the bus and just play through the 90, but you still have to win. And so I don't know. I don't know what the answer is for that. Um, 
I like the three in the back, the three four three kind of style that we saw against Vancouver. I think it would be really interesting to see against Portland. Um, man, I I don't know what you do if it's a rain game. Hopefully this is all for nothing. Hopefully it clears up miraculously Thursday night, and you know we all just laugh about this in in the morning. But it's going to be tough. It's definitely going to be tough. Um, so I'm going to call it there for the night. If I can get the audio quality enough to warrant putting on here, then you'll hear post-game reactions from Coach Darren Powell, from Ryan Rashindle, from um, Omar Gordon, and from, oh, who is the other one that we had? Let me pull that up here on the fly. Um, and that was it, just the three of them. So um, that's that's pretty much it for us tonight. So thank you so, so much for listening. Thank you to our Patreon patrons for um, supporting the podcast, for supporting the site, for everything you guys do. Um, you'll probably have a message in your inbox by Friday morning, if I had to guess. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Um, really do appreciate it and, you know, eternally grateful for all the support that the podcast and the site and everything else has gotten over the last year and a half um, because it's opened up some doors for me that um, never would have happened without it. And it's just been damn fun. <laughs> it's been fun doing this. It's been fun getting to know you guys. So um, no intention on it going anywhere, but, um, you know, just, just wanted to say thank you. So anyway, on that note, thank you, thank you, thank you. We will catch you next week. Alright coach, three points tonight at home, what was your uh, overall thoughts of the match? I thought uh, we came out very positive at the start of the game, got a goal and then obviously we're probing to get the second goal and then you know we kind of, uh, you know, we've we kind of seen that towards the end of the games, we had some good opportunities, didn't take them and then that leaves, uh, leaves, you, leaves yourself a little bit open at the back and you know they had several good chances at the end of the match so you know, in the end, fairly even game. I thought we edged it with our performance. Um, and, you know, we just got to make sure we take care of our chances when they come our way. some pressure relieved after a couple games without a goal? No, I mean, look, we've been, we've been probing and trying to do different things. And uh, obviously the guys that came in tonight did a wonderful job. Um, we're rotating different players. So the good thing tonight, we created several opportunities that that um, you were taking the game of soccer and so you know I, I don't think there's a, ever pressure that way um, you just want to make sure you, you maintain your focus and you know one, one of these times that you know you hope that you can hit the back of the net on a more, more regular basis but you know we have a phenomenal collective defending group and we managed to keep a zero again and, um, and earn three points. Saw several new guys tonight, can you kind of talk about their contribution? Yeah, I mean look, we had some young players on towards the end of the match, you know, we had uh, you know, Connor and Dev and Maxi and you know, they come in, they come in every day and work hard and train and you know, they wait for the moments when, when they're called upon, when their numbers called upon and they come out, work hard uh, make things happen for the team and you know, they can be proud of their performance this evening. Can you talk about Omar, particularly the last two matches he's really contributed. Yeah, Omar's come in. He's a good player. You know, he's uh, he played in the Gold Cup final a couple of weeks ago. So we, um, you know, we're pleased to have him here. 
and you know he comes in, he gives everything he's got, and you know that's all that's all you can ask for as a coach is somebody making sure that they they go out there, give good attitude, good application, and then you know you hope they execute in the right moments. Was there any particular attention to the last? few minutes of the match, particularly because of the history of conceding goals at the end of the match. Yeah, look, I mean, that's that's been that's kind of been the last couple of weeks. That's been the script. So, you know, it, you you don't want to see that again, and that's why we're just encouraging the guys to get out to the ball and and prevent those opportunities from 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 arising. And you know, in the end, we uh, we managed to keep a zero, which is the most important thing, especially when you have a one goal lead. Can talk a bit more about uh, defensive stuff. You're now. Four matches away from a USL record, clean sheets. Yeah, our focus will be Portland, and you know records are for the end of the season, and, and, and when you go back and reflect. So, for us right now, the focus is to to, to keep getting better both sides of the ball, and that's um, from the, from the back to the front and the front to the back. It, ha it it will happen, and these players are committed to doing so, and we just got to continue to to improve both sides of the ball, not just our defending but also our attacking as well. And if we continue to improve. Have a, a, a good run, um, you know, in the fi final nine games of the season. Does Portland present a good opportunity to get scoring back on track with a no. team with nine points? No, I mean, you know, to be honest, when we played in Portland, I thought they were a very good team. Um, you know, I think it's always very important. Um, you know, as like anything, every game starts zero zero, so you, you make sure you respect the game, respect the opposition, and um, you know, you come out and deliver a very good performance um, because that's this, this game. That's what's required. Week in. Week out, day in, day out. Thanks, coach. Thanks, coach. Thank, Thank you, guys. Thank you. Brian, you got to start tonight, and you had a fan club out there. So, <laughs> what does it just mean to you? You know, coming out, sporting, or representing your city, and just doing your job. Uh, it means everything to me. Obviously, when my number gets called, I just try to <clears throat> be ready, do the best I can. Uh, the, all the academy kids are out there tonight, so. I had to show them that I could play since I coached them every single night. So hopefully, uh, <laughs> hopefully I did them a little bit of justice tonight. But no, I mean, this club means everything to me. I'm here all the time, working day and night. So the fact that I could put on the jersey tonight and just represent the city, the club, it means a lot to me. So. You're up 1-0, <clears throat> chance is just not finishing. I can, it's kind of going through your mind individually and as a team when you kind of know past history of giving up late goals. Yeah, I mean, uh, We've had a little tough go at it the last few games at home, obviously, not being able to close out the game. So hopefully just being in there the last 15, 20 minutes, if I could have any kind of influence on the team as far as just keeping them settled down. Um, <clears throat> closing out the game is important. It's a tough thing to do because you know the other team is going to press hard and, and try to get that tying goal. So really it's just can we stay compact, stay organized, and kind of stay calm in those situations. And I think we did a better job um, tonight with it. They've still had a few little loose chances there. but. We were able to close it out and finally get that three points, and hopefully that kind of puts us on and get a few more in a row. I saw you listed as a midfielder tonight as opposed to a defender. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I always kid around with the coaches telling them I'm a midfielder anyway, but uh, as, a, as I got bigger and taller, my positions just started for, falling further further back. So when they, I, I heard them on the announcements call me the midfielder, I was like, hey, guys, listen, I told you I was a midfielder. So... Um, no, it's great. I'm glad that they could trust me to put me in that spot. And 
kind of lead the team from that from that area of the field tonight and have a little bit of fun, just knock the ball around with the boys and play a little bit of soccer tonight. So it looked good at times. Hopefully we keep it going now. I saw you listed as a goalkeeper earlier in the year. Did you play a striker at any point this year? Uh, I, I tell you what, I tell them every single day that I, I could be the nine for them, but uh, I probably score more goals in practice. At least that's what I tell the guys. But, no, I'll, I'm ready to go anytime. So it's a lot of fun. The guys are awesome. They supported me a lot tonight. So that's what that's what's most important for me. The guys supported me. They were, they were happy for my <clears throat> for my start tonight and just kind of went out there and did whatever I could to help the team. Talk about Chris's goal. I mean, that, that was big. Not only because it's the only goal of the game, but also sure. it got you guys going. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was, first of all, it was a header from probably, what, 15, 17 out. I don't know. It was incredible. But, no, it was a good, I think, overall play. We had a pretty good spell of possession there and uh, kind of got knocked around, I think, in the corner. And Craig made an incredible play, like a no-look cross to, to Chris. And the fact that he could put that ball back across the face of goal from that far out, I mean, at that point in the game, getting us a lead at home, super important. So great goal on him, and glad we could just finish it out and get those three points. What's that say about his noggin? <clears throat> he's got a big head, but uh, he's got, that's why he's got that headgear, I guess, right? He's got that headgear on, but um, no, he's a great header of the ball. He's he, he's a leaper. He can head the ball, and uh, it's good. He's a goal scorer. That's what he does. So good on him. Thanks thanks for him. as the win, and we move on. How important psychologically was tonight as far as scoring a goal when you're having the past couple of games and then closing out? Sure, I mean, it always looks good for the ball to go in the net, right? It gives you a little bit of boost of momentum. Everyone gets a little bit more confident. Um, I, I, hopefully everyone saw us kind of trying to play a little bit more tonight, trying to be more enjoyable on the ball. But, yeah, of course, you score a goal, you always get that momentum, but you also know the other team's going to come at you and try to get that tying goal. So um, keeping that composure, keeping locked in the whole game is just as important as getting that momentum and, you know, getting that goal in. But I think we did overall all right, and now we move on and try to keep that streak going. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Thanks you guys. Appreciate you. Lamar, you got your first start at home tonight. How is that for you as a player? Uh, it's a great feeling to play in front of uh, the home crowd, you know. And from I'm here, that is the thing that I really want to do, you know, to go out there and put out a, a great show so I can please the fans. Even though I don't score tonight, it, it, our assess, but you know, it's better days coming. Talk about your first two matches. I mean, obviously, you, you get here, it kind of like mid-season so to speak do you feel like you're clicking with the team and everything's going well yeah you know day by day i'm getting to know the players and you know i'm just taking it one day at a time you know i never try to overthink anything or try to overwork anything you know it's just go there and put in the work and get to know the players on the pitch and off the pitch was there any extra motivation for you because you got that first start is particularly at home tonight it's always a motivation for any soccer player, you know, to get a start because it's pretty much a debut at home. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to get a start at home, it's everything, you know. It's, it's build your confidence and make you want to play day in, day out. Midweek game, you have another one coming up in just a couple days. How do you prepare for that as a player? Preparation start from now, you know, go home, get dressed, and, you know, back in the pitch, you know, focus and get myself ready for that game. Cool. Thanks Thanks so much. Much.